Hello, everybody. <clears throat> I'm going to read from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. And this one is entitled, Bless me that I may know that I am dreaming, even though my senses tell me I am awake. As we rest in sleep, wake in the morning to our daily round of desperate seeming but only half-conscious activity, then fall back to sleep again at night, so also do we pass fleetingly from birth to life to death again, waking ever and again in new bodies, dashing about our appointments and other commitments, delighting in them or groaning at their importunity, then finding ourselves forced to leave everything at death's next summons, dream after dream of ceaseless earthly struggles. On the sleigh of incarnations, we find ourselves sliding by hopes and disappointments, victories and failures, fulfillments and disillusionments. When the smooth snow of easy passage melts and the underlying ice of insecurity breaks, we find ourselves plunged into heaving seas, eddies of gay, then desperate laughter, sargassos of cloying involvements, vast calms of indifference, ah, all only dreams. When at last I awoke in thee, I discovered that I'd been dreaming all along. I'd only thought I was awake. I was looking for another whispers yesterday and Master found that one. I came across it quite by accident. I went to the wrong page. So it's absolutely perfect. Our subject this morning is on reincarnation. And there's a delightful story from many years ago. Uh, Swami Kriyananda, the founder of Ananda, was invited as the guest of honor to an elementary school function. And a little girl, about nine years old, came to him and very innocently said, how old are you? <laughs> and Swamiji was quiet for a moment, and then he said, well, let's put it this way. When I was your age, you were an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> she was a little bewildered at first, it, and was satisfied with it, satisfied with that answer, and then headed off. So reincarnation, it's a fascinating subject in the least. Uh, if it comes new to some of you, uh, it's not uh, essential that you get it or even believe in it to follow the spiritual path, but it's certainly very helpful. It accounts for a lot of mystery and anomalies that uh, exist and are so prevalent. 
the saints and the masters, our spiritual tradition, but from the experience of the saints and the masters, they bring us the teaching that life is a school and that we pass through various grades in our evolution, our evolution of ego, the mineral, the plant, the animal kingdom, their evolution moves fairly automatically. But when we come into the human incarnation, and the masters say this takes five to eight million incarnations to get a human body. So that's quite something. It's been a long journey indeed. And when we get to that point, we have an ego that is of such an order that we have available to us a certain amount of relative free will. We can make choices, we can make decisions, we can decide to go left or we can go right or anywhere in between. And all of those decisions have consequences. It just ripples out. Like, you know, you drop a stone into a lake and you just, you see them just go, 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 all the way to the far shore, even back. Everything has a consequence, even our very thoughts. And these consequences are what keep us on this roundabout of life. And we just keep going round and going round. And for a lot of the time, it's very interesting. For a lot of the time, it's even rather fun. It's even beautiful, and we like it. We like it just how it is, and so round and round and round we go. But this school of life, as we make progress upon it, what is happening is that little by little we are graduating from ego consciousness toward and eventually to cosmic consciousness. That's what the process is all about. And as we go around and are entertained and create consequence and create karma, karma is that system of punishment and reward, if you will. And from it, the ego learns to manifest its innate divine nature. And that's the process. And it takes however long we want it to take because we can exit that wheel. Once uh, Swamiji with with some of the monks uh, in his early days with Yogananda, uh, one of the monks shared with him a vision that he had had. And in this vision... He was with Yogananda, and it took place 80,000 years ago. That was clarified in this experience of his. Well, he's telling this to Swamiji, and Swami, he said of it, he writes about it in his uh, autobiography, The New Path, and he says, I didn't know if it was a true vision or not. I never really knew that. I never really asked Yogananda about it. But he said, when I heard that, I was blown away. (laughs) I thought about it, and when I got a chance, I asked Yogananda, 
have I been with you for a long time? I mean, 80,000 years, and that's just a part of it. That's just a human body experiences. And Yogananda said, it's been a long time. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) So better not to know the whole story, right? (laughs) I mean, we may have been exciting people and we may have been troubled people. It may have been disaster. It may have been bliss. But we're we're still moving around on that roundabout. We're here, right? We're here. If we weren't moving around on that roundabout or in full service to God and Guru, we'd be gone. We'd be somewhere else. So what keeps us bound are our desires, our attachments, the things we want, the things we like, the things we don't like, the things we don't want. There's attachment on both sides, desires on both sides that keep us bound. Yogananda was having a conversation with one of his disciples, uh, Amalita Galakirchi, a famous opera singer of his time and a contemporary of his. And he had told her that in the last century, a hundred or so years before, she had also been very famous opera singer in Europe. And she said to him, "Ah, but I have no more desires. And then the conversation went on for a while, and it moved into a discussion about the astral realm, the realm of energy and light beyond this physical material plane. And in that conversation, within that conversation, she said, When I get to the astral world, I am going to sing, sing, sing. (laughs) And Yogananda looked at her very deliberately and he said, Remember, you said no more desires. (laughs) So, you know, he was about her freedom, her spiritual freedom, and that's, that's his loving concern for each one of us, as long as we're identified outwardly in any way with this world, when we leave this world, when we die, which is our exit from this world, all that desire, all that attachment, it's still going to be there. All that identification. And that's what pulls us back. And there we are. We enter in again and we're on the roundabout. And you know all this work. You don't, it's very hard sometimes. A lot of traffic, a lot of intensity to get off. Well, that's what it's like to exit this leela, to exit this drama and be free in God. Desires and attachments keep us bound. And that's the beauty of this Gita reading, both of the readings, because they talk about exiting, exiting material consciousness, exiting the ego, and embracing, living, merging with cosmic consciousness. And it's about breaking the cycle, breaking the pattern, breaking the habits, breaking the hypnosis. Swamiji said, we're going to get it right eventually. We're all going to get it right eventually. Why waste time? Why not now? He told of a dream that he had um, 
in which he was uh, with a friend of his, a very close friend, um, long-standing, deep relationship. But in the dream, this friend betrayed him and was very mean and disrespectful toward him. And in the dream, he paused for a moment and he looked at what was going on from an expanded state of awareness. And he said, if I retaliate, if I fight back in anger, if I get mad at my friend, this cycle is going to continue. We're going to come back and do this all over again, and I'm going to be the one who betrays him. And in his awareness of this, he said, I am not going to do this. I forgive you. And with the fullness of his energy, his consciousness, he forgave this other soul. And he felt immediately such a freedom. And when he woke up, he felt so free. It was done. It was done. It's really that simple. Any piece of karma, whatever we can imagine, of whatever intensity or severity or what have you, we can write it. Why not now? We're going to get it right eventually. That's how the drama works. That's the divine plan. We're going to get it right eventually. We're going to be the instrument through which imbalance is corrected and we can draw that grace, that healing grace. So why not now? Why waste time? I remember a conversation. I wasn't right there, but it's always, uh, it's continued to teach me a lot about this subject. And it was a devotee on our path, one of our members who was very close to exiting this world. And she had asked Swami Kriyananda if he would come and bless her in her final days. And he did. He went there. She was a magnificent person, very creative, very artistic. And she said, what is the astral world like, Swami? Can you tell me about it? And he talked about the astral world and he described it and went on to say, you'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. The artist in you will love it. The color, the creativity, the possibility, the fluidness of energy. And then he said, but don't stay there. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, just don't stay there any longer than you need to. Don't get caught in it. Don't get hypnotized by it. It too is just a dream. Astral world, it sounds wonderful compared to the material plane. But we're still going to have an ego. <laughs> and when there is an ego, there's just all possibility. You know, we can use it to our betterment, to our spiritual growth, and we can get caught. We can get stuck. We can get hypnotized and just keep going around. That wisdom is priceless. You know, in other words, keep going. Keep moving toward the light. That's how we exit the roundabout. That's how we break 
this cycle. I used to have, for many, many years, I, I had a habit whenever there was a big event or something, or any significant event, if Swami Kriyananda was there, and if I had a chance to personally thank him, I always said, thank you, Swami, for the memories. And it wasn't like I was just pasting up little pictures in my scrapbook, okay, this, we did this, Swami was there, Swami was here, Swami ate dinner with us, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. None of that really mattered outwardly. But the memories of, and to be truthful, I mean, I get this just reading, reading about these instances. The memory of a disciple, a disciple who is living for God, a disciple who is inwardly free, a disciple who is setting an example for us that we can revisit any time, in any moment, and draw from and really gather spiritual strength from for how to proceed, for what to say, to how to behave, what step to take that will free us from the ego and bring us closer to God. One of my friends uh, shared a story. She was at a, one of those uh, life expos where they have all those spiritual you know, booths and people are sharing information and hopefully inspiration. And this lady reached out to her and said, who is that? And Swami Kriyananda was walking down the aisle somewhat quite a ways down. She said, that's Swami Kriyananda. He's the guest speaker today. And she said, I have never seen an aura like that. She said, that is someone who is living only for God. That's just the energy he radiated outwardly without saying anything, the truth, the example, the discipleship that he lived. And we have that model. We have it in Yogananda. We have it in all of the great masters. Frequent their presence, frequents their vibration because they're going to show you, they're going to show all of us how to break this cycle and get to freedom, get to God. And your meditation is the greatest friend that you have in this because the masters are going to help you through meditation to get that exalted, clear view of things just as they are so that you can easily say, I don't want this. <laughs> I'm done with this. I want God. I want only God. And your practices, wherever you are with them, meditation is your friend. It's your friend. And the best you can do is perfect. It doesn't matter what the person next to you is doing. It doesn't matter how many kriyas they're doing, how many hours they're meditating. It just matters that you're willing, that you want to sit with God, that you love God and you just want to be there in that vibration, whatever it is, however small it is within yourself, you think it's small, but it's perfect. What you're doing is perfect. And that'll give you the view, the correct view, so that you can go through life and break out of this into freedom with God. Swamiji said, one Kriya practiced deeply can take you 
into samadhi. I've just had this thought with me for weeks now. It's so powerful. He has greatly simplified it. (laughs) He has greatly simplified it. One kriya. You know, that could happen at any moment. We could have done millions of crummy kriyas. We could have done millions of crummy hours of meditation when we probably think, I would have been better off doing something else for sure. And he's just saying one, just one we're after. So meditation is your friend, and that's your God-given, guru-given tool to break out of this delusion and return to your home in God. Thank you.